Well, hello there, and welcome to the Frogs of War podcast. It is good to have football back in our lives. It's TCU game week, Melissa. Finally. Feels like it's been a while since we've gotten to say that. It has been several months since we've been able to say that, yes. Um, I don't know why I said that like that. That's very strange. But yeah, it's been way too freaking long since we've had TCU football in our lives, and we get it Saturday night, 7 p.m. in the Carter against Duquesne. And even though it's Duquesne, I'm pumped. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm 100% on board with you. I don't care who we're playing. Um, it's TCU football. It's going to be a capacity crowd, it looks like. Um, it's going to be loud and crazy, and we're going to get to see the new look TCU Horn Frogs um, and kind of help set our expectation for what the season is going to be um, as much as you can when you're playing an FCS opponent to open. Yeah, and we'll get into a, a little bit of that down the road in this episode. Um, I'm just glad to see guys on the field uh, yeah. hitting each other, having <laughs> fun, uh, to be back in that stadium again, to hear the crowd. Uh, you know, it's an important season for TCU athletics for a variety of reasons. And having the Carter loud and rocking on Saturday night is going to be a really, really cool thing to see. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's setting the tone. Um, and like you said, there's so many things going on off the field around TCU and the Big 12 that setting the tone well on Saturday night um, can, can give us reason for hope or reason for fear. Um, but hopefully all we're going to see is is good things and, and good mojo Saturday. And so I think it'll it'll get people fired up and, and at this point in August or September now, I guess we're all kind of at the stage of where, oh, TCU is going to go undefeated and win the Big 12. The optimism <laughs> is at its highest, highest point um, in that I've seen in, in years, really. So um, just to kind of put things out and, and to see what happens and to see how that all plays out is going to be a ton of fun to watch. And uh, shoot, selfishly, I'm super excited because after last year's COVID protocols, um, and only get to be on the field for one game, I'll open up game one, taking pictures on the sideline, and that's just something that brings me so much joy in life, so I'm ready to have that back, too. Heck, yeah. It's going to be a good time as things feel like they're starting to, in some ways, slide back to normal, and in other ways, obviously, are still very chaotic, but yes. it'll, be yeah. good to ha- it'll be good to have you know a couple hours of relative normal on Saturday yeah. night. Yeah. Um, but as it is with every game week when it comes to TCU football, uh, we heard from the man in charge Earlier this week, uh, in his press conference, Gary Patterson was made available to the media for the first time in a couple weeks. Um, Wait, and and Carter Ware, don't Carter, forget that. This is this is very. Is that not the most Gary Patterson great, Carter ever Ware. to give us Carter Ware and only Carter and love Carter Ware, mm-hmm. the only Carter Ware in the first press conference of the season? Um, I love it. I also am less enthusiastic about it for other reasons. Uh, you know, one of the things, and I think we talked about this a couple a couple episodes ago, I will be very interested to see how uh, Gary handles players coming in to uh, do midweek stuff and postgame stuff in the NIL era. Mm-hmm. Now that branding is really important for individual athletes are coaches going to have the ability to keep people from talking to the media as frequently as uh patterson likes to you know he doesn't send freshmen in that's just a kind of a standard program rule freshmen don't talk to the media whether you're the starting quarterback or the third string safety or whatever it is uh and there have been players uh, throughout Patterson's tenure that even after they were freshmen, there's no way they were making their way into that room with, with press. 
Um, How many so, times did we ask for Cavante Turpin? Every and single only, week. Only to get this look. Every single week, it was a matter of principle, and I stand by it, frankly. Um, but yeah, you weren't you weren't getting some of the guys that maybe were electric on the field. Would, would um, say something. Yeah, but they would give you a soundbite real quick. Uh, and so yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, it, it's almost fitting that the first player availability in the NIL era for TCU is Carter Ware, who, frankly, uh, is you know, kind of primed to have a pretty big year if everything breaks his way. The only returning experience tight end on this roster. Um, yeah. There's some co- competition there, obviously, but, uh, you know, it was good. It was good to hear from Carter Ware on, on uh, Wednesday. I don't want to. Yeah. And nothing against that at all. And nothing against Carter Ware, but doesn't Carter Ware being the, the guy that we get in this instance remind you a lot of getting Kelton Hollins every Tuesday? Like, what was that, two years ago in 2019? Yeah. He wasn't going to say anything. He wasn't going to say a word. Yeah. Mm-mm. I love Kelton Hollins. Just my, one of my favorite human beings, an amazing ambassador for TCU. Wish him nothing but the best this season with law tech. But, but yeah, you knew you got Kelton Hollins because Gary did not want people answering mm-hmm. the questions that we wanted to ask. In post game, you knew you were getting uh, Garrett Wallow. Yep. Like Garrett you, Wallow. Knew, you knew you were getting Wallow. Uh, you were probably getting Trey Merrick. Um, just because those are those are the guys who have taken to their media training uh, more so than maybe some of the mm-hmm. other guys on the team. So um, true. Yeah, uh, but this this uh, iteration it'll be interesting to see who the guys are that kind of step into that room. I'm sure Max will be uh, one of those guys pretty frequently, if especially if the, the frogs are winning. Um, but like you said, Carter Ware was the only one made available this week. Uh, but when Patterson stepped up to the mic, he said a couple really, really interesting things. Uh, a couple things, I think, that got uh, maybe blown out of proportion and then hinted at some things that we got more info on later in the week as well. We're going to start, though, by talking about TCU's not starting running back, Zach Evans. Yeah. Yeah. Zach is... Uh, suspended for the first two series of the game against Duquesne um, for a minor team violation. Uh, there are a couple rumors about what it's related to that I've seen out there, um, but uh, he is suspended. He won't play for the first two offensive series. Um, it was really interesting to see Twitter's reaction to this news. Um, because if you haven't been paying attention to Zach Evans and TCU football for the last year and a half, uh, you would say, and a lot of people did say, this is a continuation of the drama that encircles this player, uh, dating back to his high school days and the recruiting process and everything else. This is kind of just the track that he is on. Uh, it's the beginning of the end. It's the downward spiral that we've all kind of been waiting for. Uh, that was a really popular opinion on Twitter from non-TCU folks. Uh, throughout the course of this week. And that was really disappointing to see simply because that has not been the Zach Evans that has been present on TCU's campus. He's a three, seven, five GPA student. Uh, He, uh, you know, Patterson talked on, uh, on Tuesday about how he was upset. He didn't get a four Oh, and he's working really hard uh, and he's doing everything they're asking. And, um, you know, you hear from the coaches at his old high school and the people that he was around in his high school. And they're saying he's a totally different guy. Now going to TCU is the best thing ever for him. Uh, he's grown up a tremendous amount. Um, I don't, I, this is, he's suspended for the first two series. It's a minor hiccup. I don't see that this is a major thing really, truly. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's just me. 
No, I think you're 100% right. And I, I thought that you bringing that up on social media was was a great thing to point out um, is that I think it gets really easy for those of us on the outside and especially people outside of that don't cover TCU as closely to jump to conclusions and make assumptions based on what we think we know about Zach Evans or what they think they've heard about Zach Evans. But the thing you have to remember is that uh, recruiting is a very political thing, right? And that there are people who are paid to rank things and are trying to create careers for themselves. Um, there are schools that are probably have better relationships with some of those people who do those rankings. Um, and, and that you can't say that it doesn't impact the access that you get. Um, and I mean, shoot, we see that a little bit at TCU, I'm sure too. But mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so I, I think that you, you want to put a kid in a box because of, of, the way the things that have been talked about him and then when it's all quiet for a year because he's just putting his nose down and going to work you're just waiting for him to screw up so that you can torpedo him and I think you're absolutely right it's completely unfair to Zach this kid has done everything right he had a minor infraction like this is not a this is not something that's going to get uncovered and be worse for him it was a minor infraction under a new the new rules that are team rules not national rules and so I want to say in my heart of hearts that this is Gary saying, hey, I'm not giving you an inch because I'm so proud of where you've been and what you've been doing. And so I'm going to just keep you really tightly on that straight and narrow and raise the bar for you um, and nothing more than that. Uh, I thought it was interesting that he addressed it publicly when we have another situation that we'll get to where there is so shrouded in secrecy. Um, but I, to me, this is Gary saying, I absolutely believe in you as a football player and as a human being. And his way is the old school way, which I don't necessarily always agree with. But in this situation, I think he legitimately is doing what he believes is the best thing for a kid that he truly, truly cares about, that is truly a 40.4 kid. Um, and if this is the right thing to do based on that relationship, then um, this is a really small price to pay in order just to make sure that that Zach is where he needs to be and who he needs to be and, and continuing to uh, make us all proud of, mm -hmm. of the person that he's growing up and to be both on and off the field. So um, blip, it's a blip, right? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, and, you know, I think, too, it's uh, it's just a, a note, kind of a nod to the rest of the team that nobody's above it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether you're a five-star running back or a backup, you know, special teams player, you know, you're accountable. Um, and accountability is good frankly. So 100%. Um, I am very excited to see Zach Evans on the third TCU offensive possession of this game. Um, and that's <laughs> with a helmet that fits with a with helmet, helmet that fits. That yes. Fits. Please get this man a, a solid <laughs> chin strap or something. Tape it on if you have to, but, uh, but yeah. And, and I really think it's, that's, that's kind of where we can leave it at this yeah. point. I the agree. other situation though, that you hinted at um, is way, way stranger uh, and it involves a potential first-round NFL draft pick, which, uh, you know, I think I texted you this the other day, but it's it seems interesting that with this much money potentially on the table um, that uh, the situation could have gotten to this point um, with him. But Noah Daniels is still not practicing for the Horn Frogs. Uh, one of the top-rated corners by Pro Football Focus uh, in 2020 when he was healthy. Uh, he is projected to be a starter for this uh, defense this year. Um, he was out with an injury uh, in early fall camp, uh, but had since uh, come back and was, but he is not practicing uh, and it is not injury related is what we know. Uh, and then there was a tweet that came out earlier this week. That was a, I guess, recording of his Instagram story mm -hmm. um, that said, why does it take 
four coaches to escort me to class. Uh, and it was a video of him riding in the back of a golf court, golf cart with four coaches, literally driving him across campus, uh, apparently on the way to class. Um, I, I just, I am, I'm, <laughs> that, yes, that's I, yeah, the like I'm a little, I'm a little baffled by, and I think I said, well, why are, why are we avoiding a 40 minute lecture when we've probably got, you know, $10 million on the table if we're Noah Daniels, um, but again, it's that same thing of accountability that no matter who you are, um, whether you're Zach Evans or Noah Daniels or anybody else, this coaching staff is going to make sure that you are doing what you're supposed to be doing or you're not going to play or you're not even going to be able to practice. You know, it, it's so interesting because I think we've seen this a little bit over the last couple months in very different scenarios, but like... And, and maybe this is me just being a boomer too. If you're gonna talk the talk, you better walk the freaking walk. Mm -hmm. And I have no problem. I want more smack talk in the game. I hate that the NFL penalizes everything. I hate that horns down as a penalty. That is what makes college football so much fun. I want my best players out there saying, I'm better than you and I can't wait to prove it on Saturday. And yeah. nobody talked more, nobody talked more of the TCU football program than Noah Daniels nobody at all and and you know it, it kind of like it doesn't at all but it, like it's it, there's almost like a parallel line um to to what we saw with like shikari richardson you know it, mm -hmm. it's that it's that same type of thing like like we have no idea what's going on in these people's lives and so that's why i really don't want to jump into con to conclusions and and make assumptions because i don't know i don't want to get into a, like maybe family situations or mental health sure. situations who knows but like you can't you can't do the put up or shut up and not put up and mm -hmm. then not shut up either. And the thing with Noah is that um, most one, I think he, in my mind, is the most NFL projectable player on the roster. Mm. When you look at when he's on the field, what he's capable of doing, the way that he's built, uh, he ha he checks every box that the NFL would want in a first round cornerback. Um, Trey Tomlinson has proven it, but he he's going to get our Darius Washington. You, you know, at the so? end of the day, oh, he's five nine. Yeah, yeah, he's five nine in shoes, and and that's I think he'll get drafted if he doesn't come out early and because he's just got such good tape, but, but at the end of the day, like he doesn't check the boxes that Noah does. And if you're going to be negative about your teammates and negative about the program and negative about the publicity your teammates are getting, uh, then you better handle your business and show people why you were right. And I want him to be great because if he's great and he's going to make himself a ton of money and TCU football is a, like I was looking at the depth chart behind cornerback behind uh, THT and Noah Daniels and things are terrifying. Uh, if there's an injury or we're missing one of those two guys that this the fall off the cliff is pretty damn steep especially with Keon Stewart out for at least the first couple of games mm -hmm. so uh, we need Noah we need to support Noah we need to be behind Noah's corner but Noah also needs to kind of get his head out of his rear end and realize there's a lot at stake here and it's not just about winning the game on Saturday it's about making sure that he's giving himself absolutely giving NFL GMs absolutely no reason to doubt him come April or May or whenever the draft is this spring. Yeah, I totally agree. And you mentioned the depth chart. Yeah, with Keon out for the first few weeks, Noah not practicing. Tony Wallace has also been banged up, according to Patterson's yeah. press conference yeah. this week. That leaves you with THT and CJ Caesar and... Freshmen and walk-ons. Yep. And, and a couple of sophomores who've played mostly special teams. Mm -hmm. So it's a good thing that TJ Carter transferred um, from Memphis because, you know, if you get desperate, throw him in there in the corner. But here's my concern with that, and I, and I wrote about this for the keys of the game tomorrow too. Is that, uh, or today when you're listening to this, is that Patterson said he doesn't 
expect to play Carter at quarterback, which is stupid. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not one to ju- to doubt Gary Patterson, especially on defense. But if you aren't spending time preparing that dude with SMU coming up in a couple of weeks and with uh, Texas, who like I don't know about the quarter the quarterback situation, but they always have these giant ass wide receivers who are pretty damn good. Like yeah. whether they can get him the ball or not, who knows? But but if you're not preparing TJ Carter to potentially be the guy across from THT when you have a safety room that's as deep as I've ever seen it. I have some questions. I have some concerns. I would like TJ Carter to be the next option at starting. CJ Caesar really acquitted himself well down the stretch. The competition level was not what it's going to be in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. And so I, I want to give CJ the first go at it, but I want to know that TJ Carter is ready behind him if CJ struggles. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And ultimately, I want Noah to be in that spot. Yeah. I want Noah yeah. to be uh, healthy, and I want Noah to be present, and I want Noah to be um, uh, you know available. I want Noah to be rich. Heck I want yeah. Noah to be rich this summer, man. Get, get that bag. What's it called? On, get in man. your bag. Get in that bag. We sound really old right now, JB. We, we are talk. really old right now. Oh God, it's so true. Uh, it's so but true. But it's fine. It's fine. We're gonna recover. Um, I also are we? I, I'm probably not. <laughs> I'm getting. I'm getting older in a couple of days. So <laughs> it's you know, true. It's, it's true. It's true. Actually, everybody ages every day, Melissa. That's always something to remember. Um, we just make one day about it like special every year. Yeah, so, that's true. Uh, um, but uh, I, I think you mentioned something really important uh, in in this conversation about Noah, and I don't want it to go unnoticed by people listening to this podcast. And that's, um, you know, we have seen players, uh, and it it always feels like publicly it starts on Twitter, but we've seen players kind of follow this path before, um, and you know, as often as not. Uh, there are some, you know, kind of hidden struggles that come along with with issues like this. Uh, you know, recording this on September 1st, with it being uh, kind of National Suicide Awareness Month, uh, I think it is really important just to note that we don't know everything that's going on. We probably won't know everything that's going on. Um, but it is always okay to give people a little bit of the benefit of the doubt sometimes and hope the best for them. Yeah. Uh, and hold them accountable still. Yeah. Um, and I think you and I both worked with, with students and with young people a lot mm-hmm. of our lives and careers. And so we know, and, and that's the thing that, and, and maybe this comes with age, maybe it comes with, with covering the team and not just being a fan is that I try to remind myself in every moment of frustration that these are 18 to 22 year old kids. Yeah. And they're kids. And, and I am, was not a fully formed adult in college. I mean, I doubt, I know, well, I've seen some photos to prove you were not a fully formed adult in college. <laughs> so I, I know that, um, that we, that we tend to live and die with Saturdays, um, mm-hmm. you know, at the Carter in the fall, um, as, as fans and people that love the program. But at the end of the day, um, you bring up a great point that, that, um, number one, I, I want Noah to be, to be in a really good spot. Um, and I want the, the most success for him and, and I, and I don't want this to be a, a, the beginning of a, of a spiral here. I, I want him to be successful. And I want this just to be a moment of immaturity. Like, to me, that's the best case scenario, right? Like yeah. that, and Patterson is gonna, gonna hold him accountable um, in a way that he's not gonna enjoy, but hopefully is, is what he needs in this moment to make sure that he maximizes this amazing opportunity in front of him. A thousand percent, a thousand percent. And this, this is all a part of that 40 not four mantra, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, Beyond Zach and Noah, there were a couple other pretty interesting nuggets from Patterson's press conference this week. Uh, one of the most interesting ones to me was uh, about Wyatt Harris and the fact that he has at this point earned the starting role at linebacker next to D. Winters. Um, we've heard a lot about Jamoy Hodge uh, this fall. We know that he's been a little bit dinged up. 
um, Patterson said on Tuesday that Wyatt Harris is the dude that's rolling uh, at line that he's rolling with at linebacker that he's had an incredible fall camp. Um, we saw a little bit of Wyatt his freshman year, mm-hmm. um, just a little bit. Obviously, you know, there's four game max before you redshirt. Um, but I'm really intrigued to see what this uh, linebacker core looks like at the beginning of the season and then how it maybe shifts and changes down the road a little bit. Yeah, so this is this is an interesting dichotomy for me because Jamoy Hodge is the most NFL-looking linebacker that I've ever seen suit up for TCU, but Wyatt Harris is the most TCU linebacker I've ever seen suit up for TCU, right? Like, this dude is like, he is like if uh, Ty Summer spent eight years at TCU. Like, I feel like that's what Wyatt <laughs> Harris is. He's like Captain Horn Frog. Um, he's undersized, and he's not the fastest guy on the field. He plays really, really intelligently. He probably mm-hmm. is... Um, maybe not like he's like Garrett Wallow without without like the real mean streak that Wallow had on the field right like he's still gonna be super effective he's never gonna be in the wrong spot he knows the playbook probably as well as Gary Patterson he does like I feel like I'm just describing the typical like I feel like I'm describing the the typical white slot wide receiver right like that's real lunch pale guy real lunch pale guy super gritty lot of grit mm-hmm. um but but like that's Wyatt Harris to a T right like that yeah. is who that dude is um and so it's I think Jamoy Hodge has been fanged up. I mm-hmm. ultimately think by the end of the season that he's probably the guy that I think for TCU to be its best at that position, that unit, it's D. Winters and Jamoy Hodge are the guys. But I have absolutely no concern if it's Wyatt Harris for the first couple of games or longer, or if it's a yeah. rotation. The, the dude's not going to screw up. He's not going to make the highlight reel plays, but he's going to make a lot of really, really great plays um, and do the right thing more often than not. And D. Winters is so dynamic. Mm-hmm. Maybe that works. Yeah, and you know, the fact that we're talking about this with two talented guys vying for one spot is always a positive for the Frogs. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that there's depth there uh, with uh, Winters and Harris and Hodge. Uh, you throw Shad Banks in there, and once he figures out which direction he's supposed to run, apparently he's going to be really great too. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I am not concerned about safety or linebacker. Uh, or defense, a uh, little bit defensive end of, as far as depth goes. But, you know, safety and linebacker, I'm just not concerned about this year, which is becoming kind of the norm at this point. I, I'm a little more concerned. Um, I, I think if there's a rotation, I feel really, really strong about it. I would definitely feel differently if, like, D. Winters missed extended time. You know, yeah. like, that's I, – I think Shad Banks is going to be legit. Um, I mm-hmm. just have never – I can't – I mean, have we seen a true freshman start at linebacker for TCU or play significant um, in some red shirt freshman, maybe? Because, or, or, yeah, was, I mean, Garrett hmm. Wallace played uh, towards the end. The, the two guys that started as freshmen. Mike Freeze? And the, uh, yes, but it was him and someone else who I cannot remember at this moment, but I just remember two freshmen starting against Minnesota. One of them, obviously, was Mike Freeze. He's riding a tractor somewhere right now, probably. Um, and happy. So happy. But, you know, good for him. Shout out, uh, Mike Freeze. Um, but uh, beyond that, I'm not, I'm not terribly sure. Uh, did Ty Summers get any run as a freshman, or was he a redshirt by the time he I, saw the I field? I think he was a redshirt. You know, the thing that 
the thing that starts to get me about these, like, uh, when was the last freshman to do blah, blah, blah for teams is the, the shifting redshirt rule a few years ago where freshmen could play four games and still qualify for a redshirt. So it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, we've seen, like, a bunch of these guys a little bit. Um, but now that they're kind of in it for the full season, it, it'll be interesting to see how they hold up over the course of an entire uh, schedule. Yeah, it's. I definitely think it's a – there are some things to be seen with some of these young guys, um, but you also want to see them get some opportunity. And, and again, like the, the rub of this is always like, do you take a game like Duquesne and give Shad Banks a huge amount of snaps and mm-hmm. waste his red shirt? Or do you say, we're just going to let you sit and play in this – kind of meaningless game and and save you for when we might need you down the line and not burn your red shirt but i also think he might just be a guy who's going to probably burn a red shirt the other linebacker that started that game was, was ty summers ty summers was a red shirt okay in that season okay. so i thought it was someone else but uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to go look at the depth chart for that season yeah. and see who it is that i'm thinking of um I mean, according to our commenters, you probably won't answer it anyways. So, oh, you know. my God. Whatever. I want to know. <laughs> when was the last time I didn't finish a mailbag? Like, tell me. Yeah, I didn't I mean, even do the mailbags last year, first of all. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know it's, what that was about. Yeah. Grumpy old men in the comments. We love you. Of so. which I am rapidly becoming one myself. Yes, so this is this is, this is and I think that, that it gets a little convoluted whether we're going to answer it on the podcast or the mailbag. We'll get to your questions at yeah, some point or another. Gonna, that's That's the key. I'm I'm a pretty outgoing guy. I try not to ignore people, frankly, but true. I might true. accidentally do it here and there. Um, moving right along, though, uh, Melissa, how do you feel about backup quarterback? I'm so confused. I I, I want I want to feel like Gary's just screwing with us because it's what he loves to do. Um, I, but I I mean, shrug emoji. Right? Yeah, like, that's. That's good radio uh, right there. Yes, you just go to, exactly. uh, well, and you're shrugging. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did not cut out. Our audio is doing just fine. Uh, but uh, Downing is still the number two quarterback on this team right now. And I don't know what that means. Yeah, right? Like, that's that's the thing is I have no idea what that means. Um, mm-hmm. Does that mean that he's clearly the best, the second best quarterback on the offense? Does it mean he understands the playbook better than Chandler Morris does right now? Is it because Chandler Morris is actually five foot six? I don't know. Like it could be any of these things. We are unsure. Um, I still maintain that in a game that was not against an FCS opponent, if Max Duggan was unable to go, God help us all. Chandler Morris is the guy. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you list at QB2, Chandler Morris would be the next guy in, in my opinion. I think so. I mean, there, uh, there's always room for growth. Uh, and so I'm not going to put Downing in a box. Apparently he's had a really great fall camp. Um, True. But we, we saw what he was last year. Um, there were definitely some deficits there in his game. Uh, hopefully he's shored those up. Uh, and hopefully, ultimately... He he and Chandler Morris and Sam Jackson never had to see the field at all because Max is just out there balling out and doesn't get hurt. Yeah. Um, ultimately, right, like that's that's plan A is to not have to use your QB2. Um, so we're just going to kind of hope hope for that. I But I just, I don't know. I mean, you bring in a transfer with as much hype as Chandler Morris um, and he's sitting there at third. I don't know. I just don't know what that means at this point in time. But yeah, yeah, I, I think I think that situation is going to be fine, and I hope that we don't have to find out. Yep, totally. 
totally exactly right. A little bit of good news came out of the press conference too this week, and that is that Mikel Barkley, who has uh, banged up, been banged up. Uh, there was a little bit of concern about how long he was going to be out. He was in a walking boot a couple of weeks ago. Um, apparently is going to potentially be back by the SMU game, um, which is just another weapon in the wide receivers room uh, for Max Duggan to play with. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I want Matt Mikel Barkley to be healthy because he hasn't been since he arrived at TCU, but also like, I don't know that he necessarily is the make or break guy in this offense at this point. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to end up being the odd man out. I mean, he's, he's played 13 games in two seasons. He has seven receptions all last year for 33 yards. And when you're supposed to be a speed guy and your long is nine yards. Yeah. I, I mean, again, if he's healthy and he can help, even if he just stretches the field by just running a fly route every time, like I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's awesome. But um, wide receivers, another one of those positions where I think the depth is, is really elite and outstanding. Yeah. Um, but it would be great to have Mikel Barkley as an option in case somebody else can't go. Um, I'd still rather have Darius Davis and Kay Barber and JD Spielman on the field at this point. Um, but I would love for Mikel Barkley to get a chance to show us that there's a reason that we've missed him and that he has a chance to be a difference maker on, uh, in, in that role on, on that, uh, unit of the, of the football team. Heck yeah. I, you can't teach speed and apparently he's got a ton of it. So, yeah. you know, you yeah. put him out there with Quentin Johnson, Savion Williams, like you said, Barber, Davis, Spielman, Remember uh, Blair Quincy Conride? Brown, Blair Conride is still on this thing. Yeah. Uh, like there, there is depth on this roster when it comes to wide receiver but it was yeah. it's always good news to hear that a guy might not for be sure. out as long as you anticipated him being yeah, out absolutely for sure um so let's let's shift now we're gonna um obviously get into the duquesne game in just a minute uh but i wanted to take a moment because it was nfl uh cuts week um a lot of a lot of guys got uh to wear a football jersey for the last time this past weekend when it comes to the nfl uh, and there were a lot of frogs that were fighting for spots um, and we have uh, a little bit of frogs in the pros news, which I think is, is, is fun this time of year. Um, you mentioned him earlier on the show, Ardarius Washington didn't get drafted last year, at, I guess this spring. And everyone was a little bit baffled by that. Obviously it was a measurables thing, uh, over everything else. Um, but he did make the 53 man roster for the Baltimore Ravens, uh, which is pretty stinking awesome. So cool. So mm-hmm. great. I, and, and he's never going to leave that roster. Like, our Darius Washington is going to have a long career in the NFL, no doubt. He's got the work ethic, he's got the heart, um, and he just makes plays. Like he mm-hmm. just finds a way to make plays. He does, so. and we saw a couple clips of him doing stuff in preseason. Obviously, that plus his work ethic, plus everything else that he was doing uh, behind the camera, I guess, uh, was enough to earn him a spot. And that's a good defense. That's a that's a real yeah. you know that's a that's a one of the probably the five or six NFL teams right now that have legitimate Super Bowl aspirations yeah. and. Um, it's really fun to see that he's he's worked his way onto that roster. That's really cool. Um, and his gains uh, has made the practice squad with the Packers. That's a that's a team that's got a couple horn frogs on it already. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Vernon Scott and Ty Summers also up there playing for that defense, and uh, it's good to see Thump get uh, a practice squad spot. Um, I know that he had a pretty good uh, preseason as well. Yeah, I, you know, he, he talked about how he was driving for DoorDash while he was trying to get a call for a roster. Um, yeah. And this is not going to be driving for DoorDash anymore. Um, this is, I'm going to call my shot right now. The first safety pulled from a practice squad by an NFL team due to an injury on their 53 man roster will be in his games. 
He will not okay. be on the practice squad. For, he was so, so good in the preseason. He made so many great plays. Um, really showed just an understanding of that defense. I, I think Ennis Gaines is on a roster by October. It helps when you have two former teammates that are probably yeah. working with you on the playbook and lining for up sure. where you're supposed to be and everything, too. Never, sure. a, never a bad thing to have yeah. multiple Horn Frogs on the same roster all looking out for each other. Um, a, a question for you. How we this is the year of the rookie quarterback. Every it feels like every year is the year of the rookie quarterback now. But you've got Trevor Lawrence uh, making such an impression down in Jacksonville that they traded Gardner Minshew to the Jets, um, or to the Eagles. Sorry, uh, you've got um, rookie quarterback giving uh, who's it Troy, Trey Lance giving Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. everything he's hurt he can now, handle. Though. He's, he's banged up now uh, up in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, Mac Jones. You've got Mac Jones. Felt good uh, enough to release Cam Newton. And Brian Hoyer. Yeah. The only two quarterbacks that the Patriots currently have on their roster are Mac Jones and Jarrett Stidham, who just had 12 week like surgery that he's going to be out for the next 12 weeks. So that's some trust. In okay, Bill. Yeah. Um, and then you've got uh, Andy Dalton. Blocking the way in Chicago for Justin Fields. Much um, to the chagrin of Bears fans. Bears everywhere. fans are... Livid. Yeah. Don't right disrespect now. the red rifle. Um, Andy Dalton's not going anywhere. He is timeless and eternal and will be the starting quarterback for a football team in 2062. Uh, you can't tell me that I'm wrong. Um, but the, I think only because this is a one way communication. That's the only true. reason why. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly right. I don't read the comments as it was pointed out earlier uh, in this show. Um, but uh, how long do you think Andy Dalton starts? over Justin Fields. Like well, obviously the Bears are not a team that is um immune to public pressure, but at the same time, it feels like that coaching staff specifically with Jim Nagy uh is pretty stubborn. Well, and, and also like if I'm Jim Nagy, I'm just this is smart. Like what they're doing is they're saying, "Hey Andy Dalton, love you. You're wonderful. We're going to go ahead and throw you to the Wolves." for a couple of weeks so that our young quarterback doesn't get eaten by Aaron Donald. And it's the right move. Mm-hmm. They open with the Rams. They're going to get smoked in LA. They just are like, I think the bears are a pretty good team this year, but I think the Rams with Matthew Stafford have a chance to be a really good team. And well, not that LA is much of an environment, but um, I have a feeling that you don't want to play Aaron Donald. So that's going to be a bad game. The next week they play the Bengals at home. You're not going to pull Andy Dalton when he's got the revenge tour game. It's just not a thing that sure. you're going to do. And the Bengals, like Joey Burrow is going to be great. That's going to be a good team. They're not there yet. Then you go to the Browns. And that's going to be a really bad game. And I don't think I want Justin Fields on the field for that one. And then the following week they host the Lions. If I'm making a quarterback change, that's at the week I'm point. making it. So if but, you're one and two at that point and Dalton hasn't looked great, even though I think he's going to look amazing and he's going to be incredible and wonderful and he's perfect and he can do no wrong. Um, I think that Justin Fields starts against the Lions. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Um, it's Matt Nagy, by the way. I said I said Jim Nagy earlier. Uh, Matt Nagy. I was, was thinking that coach. was NFL, it didn't feel NFL right. films, right? Yeah. yeah, it didn't feel right when I said it. Matt Nagy is the head coach of the, of the Bears uh, for when Matias over at Wide Right Natty Light inevitably listens to this and yells at me on Twitter about it. Um, but uh, I, I could see Fields coming in in week four against the Lions. My thing is, and this is the same thing that people were talking about uh, when Romo got hurt and Dak came in. 
Uh, the question that I got asked a couple times by some buddies who are not Cowboys fans was, well, what if Dak goes 7-0 and and your guy gets healthy? Like, what do you do at that point? And we saw the result of that. Tony Romo literally retired because Dak was like 6-1 and when Romo came back from injury. It's a little bit of the inverse now with the young yeah. guy stuck behind. Um, but what do you do if Andy Dalton finds his form again and is 3-0 and and has the Bears offense scoring, you know, 27 points a game or something like that? You don't you don't take him off the field if he's not hurt, yeah. right? Like if you're winning football games, you you don't you don't mm-hmm. put a rookie in because that's that's how you lose your team. But if if Andy Dalton's healthy and productive, then you play him until you can't anymore. Mm-hmm. If 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 they're one and two and the offenses look stagnant like it has the last couple of years, then I think then then you have nothing to lose at that point. But you've got to do it early because this is a Bears team that's pretty damn good on defense and it's pretty it has some really nice pieces on offense and they're not going to stomach you know, starting out one and five or one and six um, with a veteran quarterback, when you've got a guy in Justin Fields who at times has looked pretty dynamic in the backfield, he still has got some rough edges that he's going to have to work out. Um, and so that's why I think it's the right thing to not start him against mm-hmm. Aaron Donald. Um, but, you know, also when you look at two of those first three games and the types of uh, players that that defense is, you got to you gotta hope that either that, that Bears offensive line is solid or Andy Dalton's gonna have a couple of long days. So I think yeah. that Nagy's making the right call. Um, I wanna see Andy do great and be successful. I would not be shocked if Andy Dalton ends the season on the New England Patriots after you brought up the great point that they have released all of their veteran quarterbacks. And doesn't he just feel like the right guy to back up Mac Jones? I hate the New England Patriots with a burning fire that comes sure. from deep within my spirit. Don't we all? So it would kill me, I think, yeah. a little bit to see Dalton on the Patriots. But, it, I mean, you know, depending on the quarterback situation in Chicago, if Andy's not going to last there, um, I don't know. I get, the, I get the vibe from Chicago right now, though, that this is similar to an Alex Smith, um, Pat Mahomes situation in Kansas City four or five years ago, whenever that was. Yeah, you had a guy who that was only like camp, three years ago, which is crazy. Uh, by the way, Mahomes I think is in season four this yeah. year, right? Yeah. And so, um, a, a rookie who um, weren't sure if you were going to get him, weren't sure how he was going to translate quickly into the NFL. Turns out, obviously, he's Patrick freaking Mahomes, and he's insanely good. I'm not saying that Justin Fields is going to be that good. Um, but the Chiefs, Andy Reid still said, no, we've got a veteran quarterback who's going to lead this offense, who's going to be a good quarterback for this team, and we're not going to force our rookie into uh, in-game situations before he's ready. Um, Alex Smith started every game that year, and then he got traded to Washington. And he was you know? good. And he was They fine. won a lot of games. They were good. They won a lot of games. They, they had like a ton of games. talent on that team. Yeah. Um, I could see something similar happening in Chicago this season. Yeah really truly um next up a little bit of trade news matt fryer got shipped from the eagles he has been freed from the horrible city of philadelphia and the tragedy that is uh the philadelphia eagles football program uh to indianapolis he is now blocking for um another former philadelphia eagle and carson wentz well is any hurt or in covid or jacob eason jacob eason yeah. Uh, and then potentially, Oof. potentially Sam Ellinger? Hmm? Question mark. He's he's um, out for a couple of weeks too, but I bet he's starting by the end of the season. It's true, uh, and now he's going to be practicing against an old teammate too, as Ben Banigou, uh is getting all of the praise from Colts coaching staff for how he has come along this offseason as well. 
so happy for Ben. Um, you know, he was an early round draft pick. I think it went in the second or third round, um, had super high expectations coming off of, um, you know, his, his TCU career and then just couldn't quite get his footing in Indianapolis, uh, had, had some pretty talented guys around him, couldn't really find his groove and hasn't had an excellent off season. Like I really thought that, that he was going to get cut yeah. um, this year. I was really concerned that that was going to be a possibility, but but Ben really, it clicked for him in I think year three, is that what we're in, right? Yeah. Um, and he has been awesome this preseason. So there's still a little bit of a log jam, but I think he's a guy that's gonna play and contribute for a Colts team that if they have a functional quarterback this fall, uh, might actually be pretty good. So mm-hmm. that's, that's I'm really happy for him. That's really good for him. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm super pumped for both of them to be in that situation uh, and hopefully they thrive, right? That's all yeah. we wanna see is, is CCU players thriving. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moving right along, Garrett Wallow made the 53-man roster down in Houston with the Texans. Yeah. He, This is another squad that feels like they really like Horn Frogs because yeah. now this team has Wallow, obviously the Texans, with their first pick in the draft last year, which second-round pick. They used it on Ross Blacklock. Um, and they've got uh, Marcus Cannon down there now on their offensive line. And so there's another, another squad that likes its Horn Frogs. Um, and it's really good to see Garrett uh, getting his shot in the league. For sure. Yeah, nice and, and then the last one that I'm super excited about is mm-hmm. I got really pumped to turn on the uh, 49ers-Oakland Raiders game the other day, um, only to find out that Trey Merrick didn't even travel with the team because he's so valuable to them and it's probably starting safety that they didn't even want to play him in the third preseason game. So I uh, didn't get to see Trey, but was happy about it because that means that he's a guy they're really counting on. Um, I think he's going to have a great rookie year. So really yes. excited to see um, him with it with a pretty fun uh, Raiders defense too. If, if they stay healthy, not a lot of depth there, and the offense is a little bit shady. But um, I think the Raiders could be a pretty fun team to watch on defense, and I think Trey Merrick is going to uh, be a guy that you hear talked about a lot this season. Absolutely, uh, I'm so pumped for him and the situation he landed in. Uh, I think I've mentioned this on the, the podcast before. Another Horn Frog that went one pick before <laughs> my team could have picked him, mm-hmm. but. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so such, goes. As, such as life as yeah. a Cowboys and Mavericks fan. Yep. Anyways, uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we are going to come back and preview TCU's first game of the year against Duquesne and take a look around the rest of the Big 12. All right, we are back having traveled long distances in that commercial break, hashtag ad, uh, to talk a little bit about the TCU Duquesne game this Saturday night, 7 p.m. at the Carter on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, so make sure that you have all of the subscriptions that you need to be able to watch the game if you can't go to the game. Um, and Melissa, like, what what are we looking for from Duquesne? You had a chance to sit down with someone from Duquesne earlier this week and chat with them. Tell me a little bit yeah. about that conversation. Yeah, I, I talked with Luke Kenny, um, and we'll have a and a with him tomorrow uh, morning. That'll be or Thursday morning, which will be when you're listening to this. It should be posted around um, at 10 a.m. Central time. So, and sorry that if you hear my dog's toy in the background, he has discovered the toy that makes noise. Um, he's not barking, but he's doing this. Is that, can I have that? Okay, yeah, we're <laughs> uh, I talked to Luke Kenny, who is the uh, sports reporter, uh, sports editor for the Duquesne Duke. Uh, I don't know why I bought this toy. What a mistake. Um, so, it's like every so, children's toy that makes noise. Yeah. I yeah, don't know Bauer, why we have this in the house. Yeah. Bauer wants to be a part of the podcast. He's got strong <laughs> opinions on the Dukes. Um, so he, uh, so Luke is great. Luke was an awesome, super, super impressive kid. Um, really enjoyed talking to him. Knows that program inside and out. Um, listen, let's just call it what it is. 
Duquesne is an FCS program, right? They play mm-hmm. in the NEC. This is not a team that can match up uh, spot by spot for TCU. But this is a team that, according to Gary Patterson, returns all 22 starters. Never, ever heard that in my entire life. Amazing. Love that it's stat. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, it's a great fact. Um, and a, a team that has championship aspirations that played in a conference championship last year that every year, except for 2019, has been picked to finish first or second in the league uh, and lost one game in overtime uh, to Sacred Heart last fall so, or last spring when they played. So they've got a great quarterback. He's an Ohio transfer. Um, he, um, uh, Joe Mishler, uh, is a really, really solid guy. I don't expect that Duquesne is going to give TCU a ton of problems, but I do expect that they're going to execute their game plan well. Um, I just don't think that they're good enough to, to to have us worried past the first quarter. Don't be shocked if they score early against the Horn Frogs. Um, they're going to break a big play. Mishler can. This is TCU's kryptonite. Mishler can run a little bit, and he can break off some big runs. Um, he didn't do it a lot in spring, but he's got a history of being able to do it. So, um, and we all know what TCU does with running quarterbacks, and it's not our favorite thing. So, I, I just, I foresee them uh, getting on the board with a broken play or a trick play or something early on, um, and and you know maybe putting up 10, 13, 20 points over the course of the game. Um, it won't. It, this shouldn't be anything but a, a pretty pretty easy walk away win for the Horn Frogs. Um, but this is a team that's really, really well coached. You can see some parallels between them and TCU with a coach that's been around for a decade and a half, a guy who does it the old school way, um, who's super invested, who's had opportunities to lead, but has found the right fit for himself and is really, really invested um, in this school. It's small liberal arts school. They play in the smallest stadium in the FCS. So 2,200 seats, yeah, 2,200 seats of like 3,500 max capacity, I think. Those, like, this is an awesome experience for those players. And so say what you want about playing FCS programs and and a waste of time, whatever. I'm so pumped for these guys to get to play in front of 47,000, like super, super drunk, loud fans on a Saturday night in September in Texas. I think it'll be a really fun experience for them. They'll get a nice check that'll keep their football program in the black. And hopefully um, they will go away with a big loss um, and no injuries on either side. Yeah, you know, when you talk about FCS games, um, as much as we might not like them or want them, uh, you know, you can talk about kind of the trickle-down effect of college football, of the importance of these games for the programs that get paid to play them. Um, I think, for me, um, you kind of nailed it right there at the end where you just want to see a good, solid TC win and you don't want to see anyone get hurt on either side of the football. Um, For me, an FCS game... The takeaway is win, first of all. Just win it. Get young guys or backups some good playing time so that they can get comfortable uh, getting calls from the sideline, adjusting to what they need to do on the field. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, Patterson mentioned of the number of guys on the roster, like 50 are freshmen or redshirt freshmen um, or sophomores. Like, it's, it's a lot of young guys. And, uh, you know, especially for those redshirt freshmen or those sophomores, they didn't play in front of fans pretty much last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this is a lot of TCU players first time playing in front of a big crowd, too, at the collegiate level. Uh, and so get in, get your win, get out, stay healthy, get a lot of guys some good experience. Uh, and beyond that, there's frankly not a lot to analyze um, because, like you said, this is this is an FCS school uh, that plays in front of 2,200 people most of the time uh so yeah. you know you know what you should do go out and do it and keep everyone safe and healthy 100 percent, could not agree more i, I think that's that's just got to be that's got to be the goal for saturday night mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Uh, around the Big 12, we see a lot of other games kind of breaking the same way, except for a few. Uh, Kansas hosts South Dakota, the first game of the Lance Leopold era, uh, as their new head coach comes down from Buffalo uh, to take over this Jayhawk program that is in absolute shambles and has been for a while now. Um, but they did uh, release some pretty cool news uh, last week, uh, maybe early this week. Uh, about the uniforms that Kansas is going to wear against Texas Tech for homecoming. Um, those throwback uniforms look pretty sweet. I love them. I love them so much. I'm ashamed of how much I love them. Um, they're beautiful and they're perfect. That and, like baby blue with the block lettering on the front uh, of it. That uh, awesome kind of K logo in between those yeah. block lines. That, that's, yeah. It's a good looking uniform for sure. Um, does Kansas beat South Dakota? This is no. a team. I mean, it's not, it's not South Dakota State, right? It's not North Dakota State. It's South Dakota. Um, but this is a team that typically makes uh, the playoffs uh, in their um, in their you know level of football, and they have uh, given some FBS teams some problems before. Um, does Kansas win this football game? My inclination is to say no. Um, as I'm thinking about it, though, I'm wondering if maybe they get the Lance Leopold bump. And they mm. just get everybody's hopes up and they get really excited. They've got a pretty decent quarterback. Um, you know, they've, they've never had yeah. really issues finding good running backs. And, and they lost a couple of solid wide receivers. But the defense mm -hmm. isn't bad. The defense is pretty experienced. Um, I could totally see them eking out a win here, getting people super, super excited and then not winning another game for the rest of the season. But, um, I, you know, I, my, my gut instinct was no. I'm going to take it back. I'm going to say Kansas ekes out a very close win to give Lance Leobold his first and potentially only win of the 2021 football season. I think you were right with your first with your first thought. <laughs> um, I look, and I will quote the great philosopher – incredible thinker Demarcus Lawrence who on the most recent episode of Hard Knocks looked around the defensive line room and asked everyone when was the last time your second thought was better than your first thought mm. Mm. pretty good it's a pretty yeah. good line Demarcus honestly it, I was a little taken aback um, so yeah I don't think Kansas wins I don't I don't know but uh, again this is South Dakota this is a Kansas team that's in shambles who knows um, Kansas State hosts uh, a school close to your heart, uh, Stanford, uh, in what should be a pretty interesting matchup for week one of the season. I think these are both teams that come in with very low expectations, but think that they're better than most people think that they are. And so mm -hmm. to me, this is the game that sets up which team actually is better than people think that they are. Um, I love Stanford. We'll be attending a lot of Stanford games this fall. I am concerned about, and I hope that my brother-in-law doesn't listen to this podcast, but I don't know that Stanford is going to be good. Um, they've recruited well. They're, they're, to me, they're in a little bit of a lull. Of, they've got the young talent there, but the young talent isn't quite ready to compete. They lost their quarterback, um, who's now on the Houston Texans. Um, I think Kansas State gets this win. I think mm -hmm. Kansas State is one of those teams that wins these types of games. Um, I don't expect them to make any real noise in the Big 12, but they're going to beat somebody they shouldn't. And I am definitely um, concerned that that team could be TCU because we play them in, in the Little Apple. Um, I don't think they're as talented as some teams, but they just tend to win some of these games. Um, I think that, that they're going to take it over the Cardinal this weekend. I think it's a toss-up. You know, Skylar Thompson yeah. has been the quarterback there for a billion years mm -hmm. uh, and has never really impressed me. Uh, obviously, he's yeah. really mobile, but he can't really throw the football. Oh. Um, 
Deuce Vaughn is really a, he's a fun highlight reel player. Um, but beyond Unless that, you can stop him. Yeah. Unless you can, Unless stop, you can him. stop him. Yeah. Um, but Unless I just, stop them. I don't think either of these teams have a ton of weapons right now. And I think it's going to be, I mean, I would take the under, um, yeah. on this game, frankly. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if either team win. For the sake of this, I will say uh, that Stanford wins this football game, though. Okay. Wow. I'm picking against Stanford. You're picking them. I'm sure this will end well for me and my family. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm going to be adopted into your family now, so it's fine. Yeah. It's good. You're welcome. You can have them. Thank you. <laughs> uh, moving right along, uh, Oklahoma is hosting Tulane uh, this weekend in Norman. Um, this is a game that's been displaced, displaced by Hurricane Ida. Uh, was supposed to happen in New Orleans at Tulane, um, but the Sooners are doing a really cool thing. Obviously, they're hosting the game in Norman, uh, which is good. And then all of the ticket sales and proceeds and normal stuff like that that would normally go to the home team. Uh, Oklahoma has said that Tulane is still the home home team for this game, uh, so they'll have the home team locker room and they're getting all of the kind of financial benefits of being the home team. Um, which I think is a really, really cool move on the part of the Sooners. They also have made a promise to return to New Orleans to play Tulane in the future, um, mm-hmm. probably years down the road. But that's uh, like, I mean, I hate Oklahoma, like screw those guys. But Joe Castellone, uh, the athletic director there is is legitimately a pretty, pretty good human being. Um, mm-hmm. And they've done, they've been involved in a lot of these types of things through the years. Uh, I think this is a really good point to, or a really good time too, to bring up that TCU is actually hosting the New Orleans Saints. Yes. Um, oh, next, I forgot to put that on the sheet altogether. Yeah, next couple of weeks, um, the Frogs have opened up their practice facilities, their weight rooms, everything for the Saints. Um, I think Patterson, uh, his quote was really, really impactful. And he said that mm-hmm. just like the state of Louisiana, just like Texas means a lot to us. We've got a lot of players that have come from there. It's been an important state for us through the years. And the Saints mean so much to the city of New Orleans. Therefore, the Saints mean so much to us. And so um, no no question. And, and listen, like the benefit of that is to have a bunch of professionals walking around your facilities is going to be super impactful for your young players like mm-hmm. that definitely does matter and so it's certainly a win-win um but I, I would expect nothing less from tcu smu also offered but who will go to dallas to hang out in fort worth um and, and when it's a question <laughs> of facilities also that too. Um, yeah you know, tcu's no questions <laughs> not only pay, uh, destroy smus by comparison but tcu has some of the nicest facilities in the country yeah Hands down. yeah so so great, great thing for TCU to do, the right thing for TCU to do. Um, mm-hmm. I'm excited to, to just have those guys hanging around. Maybe we'll see some of them at the game Saturday night because uh, they don't play this weekend. But uh, and, and the other cool part is uh, Sean Payton's son, Connor, is a student assistant with the TCU football team, too. Mm-hmm. So um, as is uh, Troy Calhoun, the Air Force coach daughter. And there's one other person that uh, was was big, and I can't remember who it was, but there are like three three kids that, that are working with TC football that have families uh, who are big names in uh, professional football, so or in or other college football. So it's pretty cool. Um, Oklahoma's gonna roll. I think like, so they're gonna too. be nice. Yeah. They're they're gonna sit it down when it's about 42 to nothing would be mm-hmm. my guess, um, and let Tulane get a couple of pretty points. But who can imagine what these poor kids are going through? The coaching staff is yeah. going through, um, and you're playing at Oklahoma. I don't care if Tulane's the home, home team. That's gonna be a lot of Sooner fans being really excited to see their team play. This is a team that comes in as a top two team um, in the country by most mm-hmm. accounts. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a long night, but I but I hope it's just a time for for those kids just to just enjoy being out in the field and not have to worry about all the things that are bearing down at them at home. Just a break, just a break mm-hmm. from from the from reality for a few hours. Uh, it doesn't doesn't ever hurt anyone, um, and you know just it doesn't hurt recruiting either. No. That TCU is hosting the Saints this week. No, uh, it doesn't. You know, uh, you say, "Oh, all of these coaches trust their kids with Gary Patterson." Yeah, 
well, why right. don't you trust your kid with Gary Patterson? You should probably yeah. do that too. That's um, a huge deal. I want to see a picture of Alvin Kamara and Zach Evans working out together. That's what I want to see. I heart. I just want to see Amazing. that. I want yep. to see Max maybe throwing some passes to Michael Thomas. Just like, you know, they're both stretching it out, doing what they can. Um, I'm loving this. I'm loving you know, this. Just, you know, yeah. pointers, right? Just thing. giving people yeah. pointers. I. Yeah. Do we want Jameis Winston giving pointers to Max Duggan? No, definitely okay, so not. So I'll take that back a little bit. Um, but, you know. Uh, Taysom Hill is also there, so that's a thing as well. Also, doesn't need to say anything to Max. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm, I'm less confident in this now. Uh, it's a great <laughs> recruiting thing. Uh, moving right along, um, let's see. Uh, West Virginia tra- West Virginia travels to Maryland. Um, Jarrett Dagey, quarterback. Uh, Neil Brown's third year as the head coach. Uh, there are a lot of expectations, I think, from West Virginia fans. Yeah. when it comes to this football season. Um, and it feels like West Virginia is in the most precarious position other than maybe Kansas State of all of the remaining Big 12 schools. Well. Um, you think they're getting the ACC? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it. it well, I guess it's ACC or bust for them, mm-hmm. or the Big 12 stays together. It's ACC yeah. or Big 12 stays together. And either way, they're going to kind of get screwed unless they get a travel partner in Cincinnati or... Yeah. Florida-ish school, which could happen. But mm-hmm. uh, this is a really interesting game, though, because I, I think Maryland isn't bad. I don't think they're good. I mean, unless they're playing Texas, they're always good against Texas. But, like, they've got a tungle of Vailoa at quarterback. They've got the other tungle of tungle Vailoa. Um, this, I think, we'll, we'll understand a little bit more about the type of team West Virginia is after Saturday, uh, which we wouldn't normally get, I think, in an opener. Um, I don't know how good Maryland is, but I expect this to be a really competitive game. And if West Virginia can kind of assert themselves, especially on the offensive side of the ball, where they have looked really kind of disheveled over the last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can tell me Jared Deggy is a good quarterback by the end of Saturday, um, then I think that, that we'll have to take West Virginia a little bit more seriously when it comes to finishing in the top half of the Big 12. Uh, will he be the best quarterback on the field, though? Isn't Tua's younger brother the starting quarterback yeah, for Maryland this year? He's the, Did you the, say the, that? I, yeah. Yep, yeah, I say yeah. The other tongue, uh-huh. but but he's but he's the guy that was recruited by Alabama because his brother was playing there. I think um, he's not bad though. Sure, like he can make something so happen. I think be, it's a toss up. This could be better. a Colt McCoy case McCoy situation here for sure. Okay. For sure, but gotcha. but but Tongo Vailoa is not. He's not the other Tongo Vailoa is not a bad quarterback. I think him and Jared Deggy are probably actually pretty similar in in, in what they're able to do on the football field. Um, so to me, like we may know, like is Jared Deggy ready to take that next step this mm-hmm. fall? based on how he competes um, against, you know, not a good power five team, but still a Maryland team that has, has won some pretty impressive games the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they spanked Texas twice in a row. Um, but that's not impressive. So. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Touche. Um, uh, I say West. You, you picked West Virginia. Um, I, uh, <laughs> Maybe not. No, I, I think Maryland wins this game because it's at home. I think it's a I think it's a two and a half point spread type of game, you know, in my head. So I, okay. I think Maryland's going to eke it out, but it's going to be close. Give me West Virginia. Okay. I think, I think we've gone fair. opposite on every pick so far. Yeah. Oh, that's going to no, go except well. For except yeah. for Oklahoma, sure. Yeah. Um, Iowa State, uh, yeah. Big Twelve champion uh, aspirations, college football playoff aspirations, starting the season ranked in the top ten. Uh, they host Northern Iowa trap game i don't think we're going opposite on this one Jamie. no we're I not think, yeah I, they may start out a little bit shaky but uh, this is going to be they're gonna, 
they're going to be rolling um, mm-hmm. going into Iowa for sure. Over under on rushing yards for Brees Hall, we'll call it two twenty five. Oh, under because I just don't think he's going to play that long. That's fair. That's fair. Um, next up, we have Texas hosting. No, yes, hosting Louisiana Lafayette. Both ranked. Texas is twenty one. ULL is twenty three. Do the Rage and Cajuns start the Sark era in Austin? Zero and one. This game is so tough to call because Louisiana Lafayette is such a good football team. We saw them beat Iowa State last season. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a weird season. We don't know a lot about Texas. I think a lot of people were surprised um, by their their quarterback situation that went with uh, Hudson Card over Casey Thompson. Um, I don't think that that's going to be the case for the entire season, just FYI. I think Casey Thompson overtakes Card um, pretty early on. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, Casey Thompson when TCU and Texas play in October. Hmm. But um i think lafayette is better but on the road in light of everything going on in louisiana i i just i don't know that this is going to go well for them i fully expect texas to win this game uh to establish texas is back and then to completely fall off the cliff on october 2nd because that just seems to be what happens right yeah that feels right that feels right um this is an old not old this is a veteran Raging Cajuns football team. Mm-hmm. Um, teams like this don't get ranked in the preseason unless they've done something this season prior and they're bringing almost everyone back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that Hudson Card is a question mark. I don't necessarily think that uh, Casey Thompson will overtake him at any point in time. I think he's a pretty good quarterback, but I also think he's pretty young. Mm-hmm. Um and when you have the opportunity to pick a veteran QB versus a young QB, um, I tend to give the vet more experience, um, especially if the rest of the team around him looks pretty solid. And that's the case with ULL. Um, I don't know that I'm all the way there yet to pick the Cajuns to beat Texas. Um, I would be shocked if this game was anything but close. Uh, and, Go opposite. Do it. Pick them. Don't be a pansy, Jamie. What? You didn't pick them. <laughs> yeah, but I also did question it. Fair so. enough. Yeah, I'm taking the Cajuns. Take the Cajuns. And listen, we're all be rooting for them. We're all rooting for the Rage Cajuns. It's Saturday. true. It's going to look great when my pick record is undefeated. Yeah, and, yeah, and I'm O for. O for. Other than two. Well, two and whatever. So. Yeah, three. It's about to be three, I think, because. We're both picking up Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State does host Missouri State this weekend in Stillwater. Spencer Sanders is there, but he is, is he fair enough. He has not been practicing. Questions about COVID. Even if Spencer Sanders is playing, my question is, who is he throwing the ball to? Because Dylan Stoner and Tylen Wallace are both gone. Who is he handing the ball to? Because Chuba Hubbard is gone. Oh, but they, but but I think the guys behind Chuba last year were better than him last year. You think so? Chuba's gonna be. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Chuba I, was hurt. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think they were more effective um, because Chuba was hurt. And so I think I'm not worried about their running game. And listen, when's the last time Oklahoma State didn't have an elite wide receiver? This is a good This is a good point. This is a fair point. So they I'm, do at least I'm, have more, I'm more worried about Spencer Sanders than I am any of the talent around him. I think their offensive line is fine. And their defense is really, really good and very experienced. Um, Oklahoma State, I, a lot of people pick them to finish, you know, third or fourth, um, I, mm-hmm. I totally understand why. I don't think they will because I just I don't trust Mike Gundy and I don't trust Spencer Sanders. But the pieces are there if they're yeah. healthy. Um, I if Spencer Sanders like I 
Oklahoma State fans are probably feeling the same way that we are about Max Duggan. Mm-hmm. They fully expect him to take a leap when it comes to passing the ball. And one of those two guys is going to do it, and we just have to has to have to hope that it's the right guy. Yeah, That's Max Duggan, just I, to be clear. Uh, TCU yes. podcast. Obviously. Goes without saying, but also say it, just to be clear. Sure. Um, yeah, I think I had Oklahoma State fifth in my preseason power rankings for the Big 12. That feel, mm-hmm. I don't know. To me, that just feels, feels right. right. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't see them being ahead of Texas, TCU, Iowa State, or Oklahoma. Um, and I think it's a coin toss between them and West Virginia. Um, yeah, I think for it's kind fair. of fifth, middle of the yeah. road in the conference. Uh, I, yeah, I'm going to take Oklahoma State. I wouldn't be shocked, though, if Missouri State gives them a little bit of trouble uh, or if this is a relatively low-scoring game, at least for the first half, first three quarters, something like that. Yeah. Um, Texas Tech travels to Houston. Um, interesting. This a is an very interesting weird, game. very yeah. weird game. Dana Holgerson, obviously the Houston head coach. Uh, Matt Wells, Texas Tech head coach, uh, caught a little bit of flack for uh, just not having a great uh, first two years at the helm for the Red Raiders. But anything can happen in a brand Tyler new season. Shuck. Tyler Shuck. They've got a new offensive coordinator. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name is Sonny Cumbie, mm-hmm. um, former Texas Tech quarterback, actually. Um, yeah. Now I think running. he did some other things too. They didn't like he's been around. the Texas offensive coordinator for a while or something. A little bit of a journeyman, yeah. if yeah. I yeah. do say so myself. Um, but uh, I don't, I don't know how to pick this game. Yeah, it, I don't even know who's supposed to play quarterback for Houston this year. I have no idea. I know nothing mm-hmm. about Houston. Um, I think it's still Case Keenum. Is it probably probably is mm-hmm. um, uh, or or maybe uh, is uh, uh, what's this a uh, Derek King coming back? I don't know. Um, I think <laughs> he's run, he's running double duty. He's starting for yeah. Miami and Houston and, this year. Yeah, um, I think Texas Tech is going to win a close game because sure. Houston's been kind of a disaster for the last couple of seasons. Um, I think have they? Oh, yeah, they have not been good, um, and they just had so many transfers and so many injuries and. They played like multiple quarterbacks each season. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's been kind of That's a mess fair. down there. Yeah. So um, I think that the Tyler Chuck is, is not, he's not the second coming that everybody wants to make him out to be, but I think he's a pretty solid quarterback and uh, the, the Red Raiders have pretty good running backs and they've got pretty good wide receivers and their defense is not an embarrassment anymore. It's actually pretty competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the Red Raiders go on the road and get a win. Yeah, I think so too. I just, I don't know enough about this game to be confident either way, but I do think the Texas Tech ends up winning. I'm reading this thing right now that says since 1991, the Red Raiders are 8-1 and one against Houston with mm-hmm. the lone loss coming in 2009. So that's a cool little thing to yeah. know now. Um, yeah, so give me Texas Tech. Um, and then last but not least, Baylor travels no, last to... last and least. <laughs> Fair enough. Last and least. Uh, I didn't put them at 10 in the yeah, power rankings. Yeah, he paid hell for that too. Rest in peace, Hawkeye. Uh, he's not dead. By the way, he's, I think he listens to this every week. Um, so shout out to Hawkeye instead. Uh, Baylor travels to San Marcos to play Texas State. Um, they named, uh, who is it, Bohannon? Yeah, Jerry Bohannon. Jerry Bohannon as their starting quarterback. which Or I is think it Gary? I don't know. It's Bohannon. I know that yeah. much. Uh, is their Be starting boat. quarterback um, <laughs> uh, over... Uh, Zeno. Uh, Zeno. I almost said it's Jared Zeno. No. No. For some reason, in my head, the only name that I could think of as Baylor's backup quarterback is Jared Leto, and now I actually want that. I want Jared Leto to be Baylor's quarterback. Yeah. Well. Okay. Well. Okay. Interesting. As the okay. Joker. Yeah. Okay. With okay. all the makeup. You know what? Honestly. Uh, you know, Dave Aranda has a, has a lot of work to do getting that defense where it needs to be to be competitive. Uh, a new starting quarterback. 
Um, they've got a couple offensive weapons still. Um, they're not going to be bottom of the barrel Big 12 yeah. team this year. Um, they're going to be Texas State, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But beyond that, I'm not exactly sure what Baylor is quite yet. Yeah, and I, I think they're definitely going to show signs of improvement. Um, you know, like much like Matt Rule, Baylor uh, is a harder to hate under Dave Rand. I still want them to do poorly against TCU, um, but I, I have a lot of respect for for Rand. I had a lot of respect for Rule. This mm-hmm. is not the year. Um, they they probably will win a game they shouldn't win. Um, much like Kansas State, uh, they're not as experienced as Kansas State, but they are going to be very, very well coached, um, competitive. They've recruited pretty well the last couple of seasons. So um, Baylor's not going to have any issues this season. Um, they're going to win probably, you know, four or five games this year. Um, hopefully they don't pick up one against TCU that they shouldn't. Um, but yeah, they should have no problem this weekend opening mm-hmm. up with a big dub. Texas State has a long way to go. Um, I think they finally had that program cleaned up. That was a mess too, um, mm-hmm. administratively. Um, but I, I think Texas State is going to be on the right track, but they're not going to have a chance against Baylor this weekend. I totally agree. Baylor wins, goes to 1-0, uh, and then maybe loses every other game this season. Who knows? <laughs> we can hope. One can dream, for sure. Uh, that was just going to about do it for us. Oh, we didn't pick the TCU game yet. We didn't, oh, we didn't give Oops. a score. Yeah. All right, let's give a score. 56-7. Uh, to 43-17. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Only, only because I don't know who our third string cornerbacks are, and I do think that Joe Mishler will play the entire game, and I do think they'll put some points up late. Oh, you didn't get that text? What text? Uh, you and I are the third string quarterbacks for TCU. Oh, right now. you know what? Honestly, no. Last time I was on the sideline, and any kind of action did not go well for me. So, but you would have pads, and you that's know. true. If you want know to give me a uniform, put pads point. on. Yeah, I still don't. And I don't need to play football. That would, that would be really ugly. Like, this this is barely hanging on the, the head <laughs> space. Enough. So, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> like, I would do well, right? Like, yeah. I'm saying, like, yeah, it's probably for the best. Yeah. Like, I would go out there and record yeah. 11 tackles and have a pick six or <laughs> something. My legs yeah. would literally fall off. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I still but, got I still got COVID recovery lungs. Too, yeah, so, you this, know, we're, everything we're, we're doing great over here. Yeah, Every, everybody's doing just fine. Uh, this has been the Frogs War podcast. Uh, you can like and subscribe and leave a rating or a review pretty much wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anything of the sort. Um, don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Frogs War, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, and of course on frogswar.com. Uh, I know a lot of people have asked this in the past, uh, and we are bringing back an old thing that we used to do. Uh, we will be um, posting full games to our YouTube channel every week um, again this season. So you'll be able to go back on the YouTube channel and rewatch all of TCU's football games. Hopefully uh, it brings back some of that 2014-2015 mojo as well uh so look forward to that uh look forward to all the stuff that we've got coming up on the site uh, obviously melissa's dropping a couple things i'm dropping a couple things later yeah. this week we've got an incredible staff rocking right now at frogs of war so yeah. i hope that you're st- taking the time put, to, put your to picks read in. everything yeah. yeah put your picks in and, we're, we're starting up picks again um, i don't know if i'm going to have the, the bandwidth to, to keep track of the commenters picks but definitely be keeping track of the staff picks mm-hmm. and we want you guys to put your score predictions offensive mvp defensive mvp in the comments and um, that'll be put, going up tomorrow afternoon i can probably take on a commenter spread sheet this year if you want to drop oh that all right because uh, listen drop that if in you the, say it you it's know gonna ha- it has to happen it has to happen i might i might hit up uh jd sailors though and do uh get his format for um the uh college world series bracket that he does every year um, <laughs> because he makes it so that everyone can kind of edit their own spreadsheet page in the master document um which would make life a lot easier 
I'm sure our friends at the Lupton Drinking Club would be happy to uh, to oblige. They're pretty good people. Good friends. Good, For good guys. sure. Friends of the podcast, you might friends even say. Friends of the pod. Friends of the pod. But this has been the Frogs War Podcast. We are going to get out of your way so you can mentally prepare for TCU football to actually play a real meaningful game this Saturday. Uh, I am Jamie Plunkett. I'm Melissa Treepwasser. Go Frogs. Go Frogs. <laughs>